And welcome back. That's right. We're rolling into our second hour here at Simply Real Estate and, uh, you know, just kind of a wrap up for the year. And instead of me going on and on and on and on and on like I can, I figured I'd better bring in one of the pros to talk about the financial part of the equation. And that's Mr. Greg Bennell from BNN Bloomberg. And uh, Greg, welcome to the show. Always a pleasure, Todd. Thank you so much for uh, giving me some time on Saturday here and, and having a chat. So um, it's kind of funny, since you and I last spoke, it's probably been a few weeks, but uh, a little different feeling. We were talking about the Bank of Canada. It seemed like they, they put their foot right to the floor, said we're going to have increase after increase after increase. And it seems like some of the some of the underlying tone is changing. Yeah, the last time we were speaking, uh, January seemed like a done deal that we would see the bank's rate go up, the floating rate loans would go up with the floating rate mortgages, brace for it. It's going to be, you know, right off the hopper in the new year. And yeah, the Governor Polos came out with that last rate decision, started sounding, as they say in the uh, central bank, speak very dovish. And now basically people have taken their bets off the table. Uh, people don't think they're stopping in terms of raising our cost of borrowing in 2019, but they think they're going to push it further further down the road into the spring. But then that just depends on the economic data. And I talked to some people. I mean, there's some people who have been bearish on this economy for a very long time. They actually think in 2019, the bank might get stuck in a situation where this is it. Maybe they have one or two more in them and they can't go any further. The bank would love to go further, maybe another 100 basis points or so or even more. But uh, a lot of people I'm talking to on Bay Street are thinking they don't, they don't have that much left in them. But unfortunately, it's not for the reason we like. It's not that they want to give us uh, poor Canadians and our homeowners a break on the cost of borrowing. It's the dreaded R word, right? The recession. And people are starting to beat the drum on that, too. Not overnight, not tomorrow, not in January, but they fear it's coming down the road 18, 24 months from now. Yeah. You know, Greg, it's interesting because you and I actually, you know, when, when we had some of our conversations uh, regarding this topic, you know, it was listening to some of the, you know, economists out there, you know, one of the gentlemen, uh, Mr. Benjamin Tall, you know, he, as he said, he just, you know, couldn't, sometimes the market, you just can't understand the market as much as they try, you know, they've got all the facts, <laughs> figures, everything else, they do their best to analyze it. But at this time, you know, he, he basically said, look, I, I, I can't even tell you at some point, because I don't know if, you know, the if the world economy changes the way it could and, and is, then perhaps, you know, we're not going to see the aggressiveness of the bank. Um, Greg, what do you think of the, the whole, Oshawa situation, you know, uh, in the news, of course, there's, and, 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 you know, I want to talk more about this because we've got a few realtors that are probably, I'm going to call it playing a little dirty pool. They're sitting there doing a little bit of fear mongering saying, hey, better get your house on the market because, you know, it's, huh. the market's going to go down. Where I look at Oshawa as a huge opportunity for buyers right now. I mean, the affordability, detached homes are $500,000 and, you know, you're buying a brand new brand new one bedroom condo for 600 square feet in Toronto at that price. But the truth is, is that, you know, they're on, they've, they've got the go train, they've got lots of, and, and lots of uh, infrastructure in place. I mean, Oshawa, I think is, is a buy right now. Yeah, that was the equation I was playing with my, with my head too when that news started breaking. Of course, the first thing we covered at BNM Bloomberg was the fact that, you know, GM's not going to put any new product in the Oshawa plant. Uh, past December, 12 months from now, what does that mean? It's not great for the local economy. But then you start thinking about what has the GTA become? I mean, I don't live in the city of Toronto either. I work right downtown, but I live in Brampton. That's about the same distance away from the core as Oshawa is. And you mentioned the GO train. And you start thinking about the dynamics of that community. There's no doubt that GM is important to that community and, you know, a couple thousand local jobs. 
But the lion's share of the people in Oshawa, what are they doing? They're probably doing what I'm doing for the most part. They're getting on a GO train. They're getting in a car. They're going down to Toronto to work. And uh, GM, for its part, if we take them at their word, uh, even this week, talking pretty actively about how do we get our workers who aren't going to be able to work at the GM facility past this date if we don't get some product in there. And they say they're not going to put any product in there. How do we get them other well-paying jobs in the area? Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a hard one to read, but it doesn't seem like a disaster scenario for the local real estate economy, just given the fact that anything that's within that periphery of Toronto has benefited just from the fact that Toronto just keeps growing and growing. Well, and and one of the other points is that GM is not the biggest employer by any stretch in Oshawa. I mean, you've got universities, colleges there. You've got uh, a fair bit of other manufacturing as well. You know, uh, some of the tech industries heading that way. I mean, there's a lot more employers than just GM. And I think, again, it's a little bit of that fear-mongering that we see people throwing it out there that it's, you know, maybe... You know, I, I would say cart before the horse for sure, as far as the market goes. Uh, even even GM announced this past week that, you know, by analyzing their numbers, they're saying about half the people that are going to be let go are going to be getting full pension by the time they get let go. So, you know, they're getting their pensions topped up. So, I mean, if you're on a full pension, chances are, you know, you're not going to be selling your house because you're losing it. You know, you may decide to move, but ultimately in the end, I don't see the huge catastrophic impact into a marketplace like that. That feels almost more psychological when you think historically, and if you grew up, as I did in the Toronto area, what General Motors meant to Oshawa, but when you even take a look at how how it's been diminishing in the past decade, in the past 20 years, in terms of the tens of thousands of people that used to be employed by GM Oshawa, and how it's whittled down and whittled down and whittled down over the years, it's not to diminish the people who are in danger of losing their jobs, uh, but at the same time, yeah, that broader economic impact and what Oshawa has become in terms of an economy over the past 10, 20 years, it's definitely not GM dependent the way it used to be. Yeah. Uh, another thing in the news, and and I, I'm laughing at this, of course, and I'm pretty sure you did when you saw this, is that, uh, gee, Toronto is going to be coming up a little bit short of the land transfer <laughs> tax money. And despite the fact that everybody wanted to cool the real estate market, you know, you've got the province under Kathleen Wynne was just like hell bent on on throwing water on it. Uh, you had the federal government implementing, you know, the um, stress test. Everybody saying, listen, we've got to control the real estate market. Did anybody ever get the calculator out and say, yeah, but what about all the land transfer tax money we're going to be without? That was the easy money, too. That's the yeah, real pain. That's the gravy, eh? You were just putting your hand in the middle of those transactions as it went by. And, of course, uh, if you live in the city of Toronto and you're trading property, you're getting double hit, right? You're getting yeah. double hit by the Ontario levy and by the Toronto levy. And, yeah, so it's definitely one of those things. I remember in the last uh, – I remember in the, the past few Ontario budgets taking a look at it and seeing their projections, and they were realizing, too, yeah, this isn't going to be the cash cow that it used to be as things slowed down. I think that's the, that's the thing, right, when they're trying to engineer – the, the the soft landing, uh, where does it hurt? Because there's always, whenever you make a move, there's going to be some sort of chain reaction that goes on. And somewhere down the line, someone's going to say, oh, all that easy money we are raking in from people trading homes. <laughs> it's not quite as easy as it used to be. Yeah, and when you think about $100 million, I mean, you know, that, that, you may have an $11 billion budget, but still $100 million goes a long way. And the fact that this is just, and, and, and I think where the biggest mistake was is that, of course, you know, they were generally coming in between 800 and $900 million 
uh, was this nice little cash cow they had rolling in. But as everybody had said, look, at you, you, you shouldn't count on this because markets can change. And yet they every year after year, it's like, oh, yeah, and we're going to have this much coming in. Um, you know, is, is that going to have much of an impact on services or, you know, some of the other areas in Toronto? I mean, that becomes a tough thing, right? When you talk about a city and uh, it's a completely different uh, conversation I had with the mayor of Markham this week on my show with the fact that they don't want marijuana uh, retail in their in their city. But I asked them, I said, well, this is, you don't have that many streams. I mean, you have property tax. You have uh, municipal property taxes. You have corporate property taxes, business. And other than that, you have to go begging to the province, asking for cash or looking for a part of the federal gas tax over the years, the arguments they make. And so it's definitely hard when you start getting that pinch like that. Okay, where is the money going to come from now? If it's not going to come from there... And that's the easy math. But doesn't at the same time, it doesn't seem to be the easy math that a lot of governments are doing these days in terms of, okay, the revenues are shrinking. We want to be everything to everyone. We want to give them everything we promised. And in the end, you got to make that hard choice. Even at the provincial level next year, I think that's going to be a big story too. What do the provincial Tories have to not deliver on in terms of their promises if the revenues are down and the deficit is up? Yeah. Well, listen, Greg, always a great pleasure. Um, you know what? We'll, uh, we'll definitely touch base in the new year, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll you know, see where we start off. We'll see where we start off. It's going to be an interesting one in terms of uh, a lot of, lot of stuff about debt this week. Yeah, we've stopped borrowing at the record rates we're borrowing at, but now we got all that debt on our plate. <laughs> I think that, for me, that's the story of 2019. Yeah, excellent. Listen, Greg, always a pleasure to have you on the show. All right. Thanks, Todd. Thank you, folks. That was Greg Bunnell from BNN Bloomberg. And um, make sure you catch his show on it's, uh, throughout the week, uh, somewhere around, I think it's 2, 3 p.m. on the network. Um, one of the things, if you have any questions uh, that you want to ask, 416-872-1010. I know I've had uh, a caller just on hold. When we come back, I'm going to take care of it. Um, So Mike, my producer, is just going to let him know that I'm going to take care of him when when we come back after the break. But make sure you've got got your questions ready, 416-872-1010. Or if you're out of town, you can reach me at one 800 518 5151. And um, definitely, I want to take your calls and uh, we'll, uh, you know, we'll just keep drilling it down. There's so much to talk about. And uh, if you uh, if you can guess how much the Toronto real estate is going to go up in 2019, well, there was some stats put together. And of course, not sure I'm in total agreement with them yet. And we'll wait and see. But the housing market outlook is out for 2019. And there's a forecast there. I wonder if you can guess what that number will be. But when I come back after the break, I'll give it to you. So stay with us. We'll be back after this. And welcome back. Um, great to have Greg Benell on with me just before the break. You know, he's he's amazing at analyzing numbers. And, uh, you know, again, taking a look at the market, I, you know, I threw that teaser out there. You know, what is the market going to look like in 2019? Well, right now, Remax and Royal Page are saying anywhere around 1.7% rate across the entire uh province, uh, sorry, uh, across Canada, but more importantly, Toronto, 2% increase. That's it. 2019, 2% increase for some of those, for some of you, uh, you know, back in 2016, 
two percent. That was a monthly increase. That's not an annual annual increase. So you know, it's uh, they're they're bullish that it's going to to move uh, in the right direction, not in the. It's not going to recede. But again, number of units not going to go up a, a huge amount. I think we're going to finish out about eighty two thousand this year. Transactions maybe we're going to get up to about eighty five, eighty six, but no no huge increases. So. Um, so A, the government better be ready to figure out another tax stream and um, and B, still not a whole lot of uh, activity in the market. It's going to be pretty much standard. Uh, so again, phone lines are open, 416-872-1010 or 1-800-518-5151. You can reach us here. Love to uh, be able to chat. And uh, Saji has been awesome waiting on the line. So I'm going to go to him now. And uh, Saji, welcome to the show. Uh, hi, Todd. How are you doing? Good, thank you. Awesome. I have a question. Um, my question, I, I live in a duplex. Okay. And I have the Porsche, uh, another, the second portion rented out. I just signed a lease for one year in November. Okay. Uh, and then a couple of weeks in, my tenant wanted to leave. Okay. So I'm wondering what options I have, given that I do have a lease uh, and he wants to leave uh, January 1st. Okay. So technically, um, you know, they should give you a minimum of 60 days notice. Um, mm-hmm. So you would be technically inclined to be able to get an extra month's rent if they're not able to, to you know, do that. But you can't, it, it's really tough nowadays to be able to get somebody to, you know, stay in for an entire year. And for you, you won't, you really won't gain anything out of the LTB if you go there. Uh, okay. Right now, in fact, um, there is some discussion that leases, like one-year and two-year term leases, are actually going to become null and void. And that it's, as soon as somebody moves in, they can break the lease within uh, a 60-day period. So they do have to give you proper notice. They can't just bail out. But uh, it should be at the beginning of a month. So if they're looking at, if they've just given you notice in the middle of November, technically, you should have rent paid to you up until the end of January, which should give you enough time to find another the tenant. Okay. Okay. All right. Sorry, I wish I had better news for you, but uh, those are the latest rules and regulations. So, and thanks, by the way, for uh, for staying on for so long as we went through uh, a couple of segments there. Um, folks, if you have a question, 416-872-1010. Love to hear from you. Um, again, you know, a couple of topics that we're talking about uh, that have been pretty strong in the last hour and a bit. Uh, of course, are realtors worth their commissions? Hey, if you're a realtor, you know, uh, you don't have to tell me what brokerage you're from. Don't have to tell me your last name, but, you know, tell us why, uh, you know, the commissions at 5% cut in half, two and a half, two and a half are uh, what is is a viable commission. And also if you're, uh, you know, somebody that has used a realtor and didn't see the value in it, um, let us know. Again, 416-872-1010. Speaking of real estate and the idea that there's a lull coming into the market, you know, when we took a look at the numbers and back in 2016, we topped out at 113,000 transactions that year in the in the uh, Toronto area. That's 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 a big that's a big number. But um, that number is definitely going to be way down this year. Somewhere we're looking at around 82,000 sales uh, sale transactions. So a big big curve there. Again, fortunately for us, the prices have not gone too far backwards, and so people are not going to be suffering financially. But again, you know, when we take a look at the number of transactions, again, if the, we don't have enough mark, uh, stuff coming into the market, not enough buyers there, you know, people are going to be pushing a little bit harder on rent. And this is where we see basically a zero vacancy rate. And 
if you're going to play tenant, remember, um, there, there's a lot of rules and regulations you can follow. If you want to get some of those uh, rules and regulations down, uh, join me for my simple seminar coming up uh, in January the 17th. It's a Thursday night, 7 p.m. You can go to the simpleinvestor.com to register or find out more about what we do as far as investment properties go. Uh, we've had some great seminars uh, this fall, and I have to tell you, I just want to thank everybody that's has attended and met with me. It's always a pleasure to meet uh, so many people. And, you know, it's pretty much a sell, uh, sold out night every time we do it. And so you may want to start off the new year right. You know, 2019, it could be a very good year for you. Investment real estate, no matter what, if bought correctly, if held long enough. And that's why we always talk about holding investment real estate. It's not a speculation. And for those of you that uh, are waiting right now for some condos to close, I know a lot of people were buying, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018 with the idea that, you know, something's going to close in the next three to four years. If you haven't seen a shovel in the ground yet, if they haven't started dig the foundation, you may want to pause before you think that this is a done deal because again, 2018, we had a record number of cancellations for brand new construction when it came down to the condominiums. Of course, most people know the latest one was in Vaughan and roughly about 1,100 units got cancelled. Everybody did get their deposit back, but you know they, they had bought with the intention that they were going to either move into it or have an investment property and that's gone by the wayside. And since then, you know, real estate prices for brand new construction condominiums is probably up an extra $200 per square foot. That translates, uh, you know, $100,000 minimum more that you have to pay to be able to buy something. The problem with all of this now is the fact that things don't cash flow. So are you going to be a speculator in 2019 or are you going to be a landlord? And it'll be up to you to make that decision. So remember, 416-872-1010. Uh, phone lines are open. They're going to be open for the rest of the hour. And I want to hear your questions and your comments. Uh, what do you think of the market? Is it getting stronger for 2019 or could we go backwards? What are the, are the experts right or wrong? I don't know. Uh, also, interest rates. What do you think? Are they going to put pressure on it? As Greg Bennell said, you know, foot's probably off the accelerator right now for the interest rates. You know, maybe we're going to be waiting until the spring before we see another increase. And uh, of course, are realtors worth their commission? You know, I always love putting that question out there because I think it's very important to get all sides of the equation. So 416-872-1010. Um, I'll definitely take your calls when we come back from the break, which we're going to be going to in a few seconds. And other than that, uh, lots more to talk about while we finish up our second hour here at Simply Real Estate. For those of you out shopping, if you're uh, stuck in traffic, like I said, you know what? 416-872-1010. Give me a call. Give me your questions and we'll have a conversation when we come back after this. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back. Just so you know, we've got our phone lines open, 416-872-1010. Or you can reach me long distance from 1-800-518-5151. Uh, I'm going to go uh, to the phones now. I'm going to go to Sam, uh, line one. And uh, Sam, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. So, Sam, you have a question regarding, uh, you, you disagree with the idea of the lease contracts with me. Yes, I do. Okay. So... If a landlord has a clause in that lease agreement that that tenant is responsible 
for the rest of the term. Doesn't matter when they move out. So they should be responsible for the rest of the term. I agree with you. See, here, here, here's the difference, Sam. There, I agree 100% with the comment, but there's also the practicality of it and what's actually happening in the marketplace. And unfortunately, the LTB, the Landlord-Tenant Board, is not enforcing the one-year rule when you sign an agreement like that. Yes, but there is, uh, you see, uh, that board should be really uh, dismantled, and I will tell you why. You sign a legal uh, lease agreement with two people, couple, with one person, doesn't matter. Sure. And that, after uh, two months, you find instead that one or two people that, they, that you sign legal contract, you have another four or five people living at your place. So legally, you can do nothing about it. So all these uh, protests that is here should be abolished because you don't protect landlord. Somebody putting half a million, $800,000 in the rental property and the tenant coming a month, give you 60-day notice, move out in a, in a month or two, destroy your property, you cannot keep a security deposit, you have no right to kick those people out that they are maybe sub-leasing uh, the property to them. So what you giving me, like investor, mm -hmm. that I'm going to buy rental property if I actually have no any right and that property is mine, I'm paying mortgage. So really, uh, I think the loss, somebody uh, should look at it and be fair to both sides. I agree. You know, Sam, I, I, I'm going to tell you this, Sam. I agree wholeheartedly as a landlord with all of your comments. The unfortunate thing is that currently, the the first and foremost, the LTB is not pro-landlord. The province is pro-landlords keeping tenants in. They don't want tenants to be, you know, pushed out. One of the important things that everybody has to understand, though, is that when we talk about tenancy, and so the first natural reaction is everybody goes to the landlord-tenant board. Okay, so if there's a ruling there and the judge says, you know, sorry, you know what, you can't hold the person in there. They, they have to give you proper notice, 60 days, that's it. You have to pay for the 60 days. Other than that, they're going to let them get out. Now, here's the thing, though. Under contractual law, you can take these people to small claims court. One thing, and I'll, I'll give you a quick piece of advice, always, if you're going to have a lease, when you have somebody move in and you said, you know, they come in and they damage your property, you need to quantify each article in the actual rental unit, meaning the bedroom carpet is worth this much, the paint job is worth this, the fridge is worth this. Have them initial the value of absolutely everything in the property and put a note that they're in agreement that if they move out and they've caused any damage, they are financially responsible. You won't get a ruling from the LTB on this, but you can you will get a win in small claims court. So that would be my best advice. And by the way, Sam, thanks so much for your call. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. We've got to move along because we've got a few more calls. By the way, 416-872-1010. My phone lines are open. They're going to be open up for the rest of the hour. Uh, we're going to go to Styles uh, Line 2. And uh, Styles, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. Just a couple of quick questions. Sure. Uh, 
question number one. If uh, I uh, have tenants in my in my place and I finally get rid of them, um, the second group of people, can I raise my rent? And the other question is, is that if I did a complete renovation of all my units, can I raise my rent? Okay, excellent, excellent question, and and you know. You know, spoken like a true landlord, so that's great. So as soon as, as soon as your unit becomes vacant, so once once a tenant is out, you can charge whatever rent currently uh, that you can get. Okay, so when you start a brand new tenancy, so a brand new tenant, it's up to you to determine what rent you're going to get, and if they sign on the dotted line, then they can't deviate from that actual price. If your tenant, if you've got a property and you've got a tenant living there, and you renovate it during their tenancy, you have to make a special application to the LTB for an extra increase to the rent other than what the provincial standard is yearly. So next year, 1.8% is what we are allowed to increase the rent by. Um, if you've since since these are you know older properties, you are you do have rent control now. Everybody does. Uh, the only thing the province did was they they said brand new uh, purpose built rental properties will not have the same rent control. But so for yourself, just so you know, for a heads up, um, you can you can control your rents when you're putting somebody new into it. But if you're going to renovate while somebody's there, the most you'll get is the standard provincial increase, the 1.8 plus. You can make an application for five percent one year, five percent another year. That's the maximum. So if you can show them, and you actually have to show the LTB the actual receipts and a description of the work that has benefited the tenant for all the money that you spent. Okay. Okay, thank you. you nope. yeah. uh, so, so if I if I like if I if I built a new building altogether, am I not subject to rent control? Yes, you are subject to rent control. Now, if you're if you're saying you're building a brand new building, if it is site specific and it's got multiple units and it is um, it is going to be only used for rental, not owner occupied, you will not have rent control because it's brand new construction. Oh, great! Thank you very much. Appreciate it. No Bye. problem. Thanks for the call. Uh, so, folks, you know that that's the thing. You have to understand when you're buying investment properties, what are you going to be responsible for? Both the condition and also your rents. Stay on top of your rent increases. By the way, you know I know it's not much, but it does add up. And the banks, if you're if you're going to lenders, they like making sure that everybody is a pro active landlord. So make sure you stay on top of your rental increases. Remember, my number here is 416-872-1010. If you have any questions, you know, phone lines are open. I'm happy to talk about either being a landlord, some of the rules and regulations or tenancies. And on top of that, of course, my favorite topic, realtors, are they worth their commissions? I'm going to go to my next caller and it's Linda on line three. And uh, welcome, welcome to the show, Linda. Hi, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Good. Yeah, our question is, um, can we use our RRSPs to um, put a down payment on an investment property? No, unfortunately, you cannot utilize that um, as a down payment. Uh, what happens is, is that because it is a, 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 basically, they consider it to be a third party property, um, RSPs can only be benefited uh, when you're doing it for your, your primary residence, and normally it's the idea of a uh, first-time home buyer. But your RSPs can be utilized in other avenues. There's mortgage products out there. Um, you know, there has been some discussion about being able to swap your RSP money. So you lend it to your friend, your friend lends theirs to you, and you can utilize it that way. But right now, there is no way for you to take your RSP unless you collapse your RSP and pay the taxes on it. 
Right. Okay. Okay. Oh. So, but but we could use it as a mortgage type thing. Yeah, there are there are mortgage programs. Um, we we utilize at our company. We we actually utilize RSPs in a mortgage format. People get eight percent return on the actual RSP itself. It's called our Master Investor Program. Uh, if okay. you want if you want to know more, you can go to the simpleinvestor.com to take a look at it. But okay. yeah, yeah, it's 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 a very it's, right now RSPs are still. You know, you, you don't have the, the, the flexibility that, you know, I wish people had with them. And uh, maybe the government one day will, you know, put something into place. Okay. Yep. Bye-bye. Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, so, again, folks, you know, there's all sorts of things that uh, you can utilize. Um, we're going to be going to a quick break. Um, we've got Deborah on the line. I'm going to ask Deborah, you know, make sure you hang on, Deborah. Um, we're going to be able to have a conversation when we come back. And remember, my number here, 416-872-1010. Get your questions ready. We're coming down to the end of a two-hour show that's going to be it. So if you want to ask me something, now's your chance. And I'll be back after this. And welcome back. Well, you know what? I was just talking to my producer, Mike, and he's saying we're coming down the home stretch for our two-hour show. Yeah, I can't believe it. You know, it's amazing how fast two hours goes by. And if you have a question, this is your time, 416-872-1010. Phone lines are open and, uh, you know, we're going to be running it right to the last second just before five o'clock. So if you've got a question you want to ask, make sure you call us 416-872-1010 or 1-800-518-5151. I'm going to go to Deborah in Toronto and uh, Deborah, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. No problem. I am just wondering, so we just sold our house and we're looking to rent and there's a lot of rentals on the market. There's a lot of houses that aren't selling that are maybe considering renting as well as an option. So I'm just wondering, is rent to own a possibility? I know it was years ago, but is that a possibility nowadays in Toronto? Yeah, it certainly is. Um, I just don't know how many uh, homeowners right now are willing to do it. The idea, you know, they, they're either going to sell it, they're going to rent it. But the, when, when you establish a rent to own, you normally come up with an agreed price for the future. So they may say, okay, you're going to rent it for two years, and at two years, you're going to purchase it for X. So, you know, it, it's it's a little bit difficult because for yourself, what if the market goes down, then maybe you're, you're committing to a higher price. And if the market goes up, you know, substantially, then the actual owner of the property could lose out. So it, it, you're right. It was one of those things that was a lot more commonplace. Um, I just don't know if it's something that people are going to entertain at this point. Do they use part of your rent as deposit? Is that usually what happens as well? Well, a lot of times when we talk about a rent-to-own program, they would typically ask for an additional deposit. So that could be, you know, 5000 10000 extra. Or what they'll do is they will t- turn around and if your rent was supposed to be $2,000, they will say, okay, we want $2,400 a month. And 400 of that will deem to be a deposit. But if you do not come up to this price, we're going to keep it all. So you kinda, you're either paying a little bit extra on your rent or you're going to be paying a little extra upfront for them to agree to that term. And then last question, if it's liability-wise, like what's the problem if, let's say, two years down the road, again, the house goes up tremendously and they don't want to sell it anymore? Or the opposite, we don't, you know, if it goes down dramatically, 
right and you and you don't want to so so there is there is the liability because you would be actually signing an agreement of purchase and sale so that's how the rent to owns do work they have they have that signed out and it's based on you know if it's a one year two year three or whatever you've established in the contract so you do have to be careful with it because you might be committing to something you know long term that perhaps you're not ready to you know a lot of times people do it because you know it, you know, they pull back financially, they need to bank some money, and then they come back into the marketplace. So again, the rent-to-owns, you know, it's, it's more designed for investors to do it. And a lot of times the tenants just normally do not complete the sale. So again, I, I would be cautious uh, at this time to do it because you may be committing to a pretty high price. Right. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you so much. And um, again, uh, our phone line is 416-872-1010. I've got Sonia uh, on line two. And uh, welcome to the show. Hi. How are you? Good. Thank First you. Time. First time. What I want to ask you, what's the rule and the regulation if you're living in an apartment building? Can the landlord turn three of the units into Airbnb? Okay. Great. Oh. Great question. So you're in an apartment building. And you're asking if uh, a landlord can actually rent out some of them. So is it a condominium or an apartment no, building? it's not a condominium. It's a private. Private. Okay. Apartment. So just so you know, the landlord, Sonia, can do whatever they wish. So there's nothing illegal as long as they're not crossing any lines in the municipality. Um, there is no question they can rent them out to buy Airbnb however they wish. All right, and thank you. Okay, thanks so much. You know, interesting question. A lot of people, um, you know, when we talk about Airbnb, because they're such short-term rentals, you know, do the same rules and regulations apply? And this is one of those things I think that a lot of people, they need to be, you know, cautious with. And uh, again, 416-872-1010. I'm going to go to Mark on line three. And Mark, welcome to the show. Hi, great show. Thank you for taking my call. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Uh, a quick question. We're looking at an investment property out in Oshawa across from Durham College. Just popped up. Um, looks like there's a lot of maintenance fees. There's a maintenance fee on the property. There is a separate maintenance fee uh, on a parking spot and a separate maintenance fee on your locker. Is that standard in the industry now? Or? It is, yes. Actually, Mark, I, I, I love the question because that's a really good question. And most people aren't aware that when you start adding things such as a locker or a parking spot, that you can have maintenance fees charged on them. See, your unit itself is titled one way, but now you've got a few extra pieces added to it. And when the condominium creates their budget, they have to figure out what are they going to have to maintain. So if, if something happened to your locker in the future, they're going to have to maintain it because technically you you have exclusive use of it, but you also have to maintain it. So yes, this is a very common thing and more common now than ever before. So, you know, great question. Wow. Yeah, and okay. so so you so you have to really keep your eye on it because when they start pushing maintenance fees up, you can pay more maintenance fees for your parking spot as well as your locker in the future. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I really appreciate that answer. Thank you so much for taking my call. No problem. Thank you. Um, that's it, folks. You know we're we're going to be winding it down soon, so I'm going to go to Alan on line one. And uh, Alan, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you doing? Good, thank you. I have a uh, unit at near near Shoreburn Station, and. Uh, Tenant is on a month-to-month lease right now, and I don't want him there anymore. And because, but he has been a good tenant so far. He's been a very tremendous good tenant. But I don't want him to live there because I think the amount he's paying is substantially low compared to the market price. I just want him to get him out of there, out of the unit. Okay. 
Great, great question. Um, Unfortunately, uh, unless you can get him to agree to leave on his terms, you can't force him out and take on a new tenant. So you can't kick a tenant out for a new tenant. The only only way um, that people are doing it is that they will become owner-occupied and you actually physically have to move in yourself. It can't be that you say, I'm going to move in. You don't move in. You put another tenant. That's illegal. Uh, you will get fined. And um, yeah, so it, it's not one of those situations. Uh, have an on, honest conversation with them and tell them, look at, you know what? It's not, the rent's not cutting it. Um, you know, you, but again, use the rules and regulations that are, are provided to you. If for any reason they do not pay, make sure you get everything filed correctly. Okay. But if I just like uh, live there without being occupying the, without putting a new lease, is it Okay. Um, yeah, sure. You can you can you can ask them to leave uh, sixty days uh, notice and you move in. So that's no, not... what I meant to say was that uh, if I do if I say I do live there, right? But I won't be occupying the unit. But I, but I will not be leasing the unit to to let somebody else for like a year. Is it possible to do that? Um, yeah, but the, the the truth is you can't kick it out just for vacancy's sake. Okay, oh, so okay. you can't you can't get rid of a, a tenant just for vacancy. So, uh, thanks so much for your call. Uh, I'm going to go to uh, Styles. Uh, he's calling back again. And Styles, welcome back to the show. Thanks. This is a very quick question. So sure. I have a tenant. Yep. And he wants to move out, and he's bringing somebody else in. Okay. Right. Uh, he's on the lease. What happens with that? Okay. Um, first and foremost, um, you have the right to approve the tenant. Okay. Uh, it doesn't automatically discard your current tenant from the responsibility of the lease, okay? So, in other words, he can't just walk away. The length of his tenancy is tied to whoever who's occupying that property. So, if his friend or whoever moves in and they're there for a year, he is still responsible as well as the friend, and you have every single right to qualify the the, uh, the, t- the new tenant moving in, and so you can actually say, sorry, this person doesn't qualify then, you know, get rid of the tenancy altogether and start over, refresh yourself. Thank you very much. Great show, by the way. Okay, thank you so much. Wow, folks, you know, it's amazing how quick an hour goes by. And, um, yeah, two hours. <laughs> That's right, Mike, two hours. Wow. You know, uh, I just um, I just wanted to kind of close out the show by thanking everybody that has made this uh, show such a success over the last, uh, it's almost five years we've been doing this. Um, my producer, uh, Ian Grant, uh, Mike, uh, Matt, uh, you know, everybody that's contributed, Andre, you know, there's so many uh, of the group here at News Talk 1010 have always had a little bit of a piece of the show, but they've made it simple for me to be able to come to you and explain investment real estate, real estate in general, everything that's going on in the marketplace. And so it's been a real, it's been a real pleasure and a real privilege to be able to do this. And, you know, 2019, we're looking at a real exciting year. There's lots going on. The Simple Investor has more and more opportunities for people. We're going to be doing more educational seminars. Remember the first one of the year, you want to make sure you sign up for that one. Get the year started off right in uh, 2019. And, but most importantly, I want to thank all of you for tuning into the show every single week. You know, it's been a real privilege and we're going to continue on through 2019 and hopefully keep you up to date on what's going on in the real estate market. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.